0: Periodically, I do talks to photography groups, and every time I do, I end with something I call my inspirations. Those people that I have followed for years on social media that inspire me each and every day with amazing photography. Today's guest is one of those people. We're going to visit the rodeo with Alan Hess on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot, the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots, from conception to completion and all the stories and problems that happen in between. I'm your host, Steve Brazzle. This is on the This Week in Photo Network. And just a quick reminder for you, if you are subscribing to this podcast in your favorite podcast listener app, whatever it is, Feel free to redden by uh, iTunes, drop us a review. Good, bad, doesn't matter. But if you do have comments, you can also always reach out to me. It's Raz2, R-A-Z-Z-2 on Twitter is probably the easiest way to reach me. So today's guest is somebody I've wanted to have on for a while because... Uh, to say that this guy is an inspiration to me is a huge understatement. Periodically, I go out and I do, you know, PowerPoint presentations for a couple hours to photography groups. And I also have a short, brief video course on TWIP school. And the last thing I always talk about is inspiration. Those artists who I follow on social media and followed before I knew them or before I was a photographer that give me inspiration each and every day. And one of the major ones that I always mention is this guy, Alan Hess. Alan, thanks for joining me, man. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um... So you are a guy that, before (laughs) I knew you, and we've shot a couple of things together, but before I knew you, um, seriously, I followed you on social media all over the place because what you do and the variety of things that you shoot, and in particular, your concert photography for my taste, although we're not talking concert photography today, is literally unmatched by many, many people. Um, When you talk to people about what you do, how do you describe what you shoot? Because you shoot everything.
1: I I do now. Um, I started out really just thinking uh, that I would be a concert photographer. I loved music. I loved uh, going to shows. Um, I followed a little band called the Grateful Dead way back when in the 80s and early 90s. And um, I thought that, it would be fun to take my camera into shows and shoot concerts, and that was kind of where I started. It's kind of what I did, and I thought I'd just be known as a concert photographer. Two things happened. One, I found out that making a living as a concert photographer is a lot harder than it seemed um, yeah. on the internet. So that was the that was. The it's first a myth. Part. I'm just
0: telling you, making it's, money it's, as a concert photographer well, is a complete myth. It's unicorn. It's a myth.
1: Uh, well, there's there's a very few guys out there who are actually doing it, but you know that's a different story. And the second part was that. Um, when I started transitioning into the job that I have now, uh, as the house photographer for a venue, it turned out that they, um, didn't really care that I wanted to be a concert photographer. They wanted me to cover everything that happened there. Um, so I learned that, um, even though the concert photography is what I really wanted to do, uh, I now needed to learn how to shoot sports. I needed to learn how to shoot, um, dance. I needed to learn how to shoot. Uh, stand up comedy, I needed to learn how to shoot all these various things, and I' done a little bit of a, over the time, but i'll tell you some of the the weirdest moments of when you 're standing there and i'm I'm sitting on a sideline at a Lakers preseason game realizing I've never shot a professional basketball game in my life i 'm not even sure what I'm supposed to be doing, and I went right back to my concert saying, all right, it's freezing action um, in low light. and I, so so everything kind of comes back to my concert photography start and um, Honestly, it's still where I have the most fun. It's also still where I have the most. Uh, uh, it feeds my soul more than it feeds my wallet. See, and that, uh, that's how
0: I feel about it as well. But you mentioned an interesting thing that when you're shooting the Lakers, it's a you know you went back to that part of your head uh, that is just the you know mindlessness. You don't have to think about it. You can just right. do it without thinking of concert photography because concert photography really is low light action photography. That's what it is. Now it's in a way it's low light action portraiture too, but um, you have shot, you mentioned the Lakers, you shoot hockey, you shoot dance, you shoot comedians, you've shot, you know, Billy Idol, Cher, Willie Nelson, the who, that one just, I'm, (laughs) you know what they said to me? The who, the answer I got back was your radio. Why do you need to shoot pictures? Um, You've shot Robin Williams, the, the, the great late Robin Williams. Uh, and you are anybody who is a Photoshop uh, user TV or Photoshop World or anything like that fan or Kelby One fan. Uh, you're a Kelby One instructor. You're part of the Photoshop Dream Team. Um, the concert photography pre-con workshop at
1: Photoshop World every year. That was you. Yeah, we did that. We did that 10 times uh, since 2009. Um... So we we might have we might have put that one to rest at this point. Um, we didn't do it this year, but uh, we did. We yeah, Scott Deuce and I from Nikon, we did that sucker ten 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 times running, and it was uh, it was amazing to do and, a live and concert. And considered
0: today. by many in the industry, in that industry, that niche mm. you know market, to be the de facto standard for concert photography instruction. Um, there was nothing one else other like thing, it. and by the way, I should mention you're San Diego based. Yes. Um, but one other thing I should mention is actually two other things. You mentioned that you're the house shooter for a venue. That's Valley View Casino Center yes. uh, in San Diego. Um, and being a house photographer, something very, very coveted and rare that very few photographers get. So that that's an awesome land. But then also you're an author. You have authored
1: how many books now? Um, I just finished my 15th book uh, with Rocky Nook. It'll be out in July. It's a second book on night and low light photography. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, um, I've, I've written about two books a year for the last seven, eight years. Um, I also did a series of eBooks in the middle just because why not? Um, so yeah, uh, that again, that was one of those things I never really expected to do. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a shock. Uh, going back to my college days, I was actually, I got a degree in computer science and English. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do and I had a hard time with, uh, math. So I kept switching between the computer science department and the English department. At the end of the day, I ended up with degrees in both. So I, I thought I'd never use them both. And it turns out that I'm actually using them both. Uh, since photography these days is basically a little computer attached to a lens and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I look over this way. I've got a bookshelf here with with my books on it.
0: Uh, well, and you are like me; you've got all your passes hanging behind you too. Yeah, well, uh, I got <laughs> it's a collection, you know. You just I don't know what to do with them sometimes, but I am not going to throw them away. Your books, you've got books on everything, including pet photography. Your your yep. your uh, dog portraiture is freaking amazing, people. Seriously, you need to look up Alan Hess. And at the end of the show, I'll give you all the, the social sure. media links so that you can find him, his website and everything. But also don't forget to go to thisweekinphoto.com. Find the post associated with this episode and all the links will be there as well for you. So let's get into your shot a little bit. We mentioned right. you shoot everything. This was not one I was thinking when I started looking through your portfolio, right? Because in my head, I wanted you for a concert shot. Right. And I saw this particular shot and it was, it was eye-opening that you captured this shot at this moment so explain this to everyone
1: so a couple of years ago um we had uh, in two thousand three three years ago now in 2014 we had the uh, pbr the professional bull rider um, tour circuit come through san diego and they actually did bull riding at the valley view casino center so i was actually kind of excited i never shot bull riding before I've seen pictures, it's cowboys and bulls and things flying through the air. And um, I was given a lot of access uh, to shoot it from around uh, anywhere I wanted in, this, in the arena. Um, I got to go up on the shoot where the bulls come out of. I got to do a little bit of the backstage stuff. They were really, 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 really nice. And I, was, I went in uh, very naively thinking this was gonna be easy to deal with. Turned out it was a lot harder than it uh, actually looked like. Um, they don't stay on the bulls very long. It's supposed to be eight seconds. I don't think uh, three people in the entire day lasted eight seconds. So
0: shooting time so, is So this guy that's on short. the bull in front of me. Yeah. He may have been on there for what? Three, three seconds?
1: Three seconds, maybe four.
0: Um, and and you was, had to get him coming out of the shoot within three to four seconds.
1: Yeah, and that was that was the thing that I, I realized. I you know, it's it's a it's a large area where they get to, to buck around and, and ride. The problem is they don't stay on the bull very long. So um, the first part of the day or the first part of the evening, I started uh, too far away and I was aimed at the, the grate, and I was um, not getting much. So I started moving uh, further towards the, um, where they were coming out. so like try to get a better angle on it. Uh, once, <laughs> once I started getting like figuring out that I could get a, a better angle as they came right out the chute, then it became a matter of uh, timing. Now, um, I mentioned this to you right before we started, and I'm going to you go know, in right here. This was taken with a, with a Nikon D750 DSLR. Not, not a um, surprise there. I mean, it's a, it's a one of their cameras. But this was actually the very first time I'd ever used the camera. Uh, it had arrived a couple of days before. I'd run it through some tests. Um, I really uh, thought it was doing a, an amazing job um, capturing stuff, and I just... Kept pushing it further and further and further. uh, Didn't you go into
0: this, though, with a camera you've never used, thinking this is a paid job, what if this doesn't work?
1: Well, I had my other, I had my D4 with me. um, Okay, so I was, I was shooting, you know, switching between the two. Uh, The thing that I found fascinating was that um, I needed to really go a little higher on the ISO and shutter speeds than I would shoot a concert at. So So what was this at, do you know? Yeah, well, this is ISO... uh, 6,400, um, wow. aperture is 2.8, and then it was a one 1,000th 1, of a second um, exposure to get everything frozen in place. I started hold, hold on out- Hold on a second at,
0: here. Hold on. I got to interrupt you. Yeah. And, and by the way, what lens is this?
1: Uh, I'm going to guess it was a 70 to 200, probably somewhere in the 180, 160 millimeter range. Okay. So- um, Here's what shocks me about this. You, you, you
0: said 6,400 ISO, one yep. one thousandth of a second. Yeah. Which makes sense to freeze this, that you would need that. And so obviously you did 6,400 just because you needed the 1,000th. Right. That but was you the- shot this at 2.8 with a moving bull?
1: Yeah. That part wasn't the hard part. The hard part was trusting the camera to not have um, you know horrible artifacts at 6,400 ISO uh and that's where that d750 really impressed me so i had done a couple of shots earlier on and i kept having to increase the shutter speed and increase the iso and i kept looking on the back of the camera and i'm like i'm not seeing any noise so i'm just going to keep i'm just going to keep going and um that was kind of a liberating moment where you're like oh i can just you know i can get the exposure at a four hundred iso and not have to not have to be concerned, you know, that there's well, that fear. When I shoot concerts, I like to shoot, you know, 1600 ISO and two fiftieth of a second and 2.8. So this was a big departure from um, my usual settings. Well,
0: know. but at 6400 ISO, because I've looked at this image zoomed yes. in. Um, there's no noise in it, And I'm confused because I don't know if you can tell from the video, you know, for the viewers, but this thing's tack fricking sharp. Yeah. And I mean tack sharp, and the depth of field doesn't appear as shallow as I would imagine at a hundred and something millimeters with at two point eight.
1: Right, but I'm shooting at the. I'm shooting further away than you would if you were, you know, doing a guitar player on the stage in front of you. I'm I'm a safe distance away from this rampaging beast. I'm also behind a protective. Um, railing. You can, if you can see the people behind, um, so there's a, a guy wearing a, a yellow and black uh, dicky shirt in the background mm-hmm, behind yeah. the bull, and you can see the people sitting behind him in the stands. I was across from them on the other side of the venue, um, where they behind were, that and, same
0: type of barricade. Yeah,
1: and because because two point eight, because the distance was so much further away from everything, they're still in focus. Right. If I was shooting closer up, they they would have started to drop out. They didn't hurt the picture. Um, I'll I'll be flat out honest. I didn't even notice them when I was taking the picture. My entire focus was on uh, the cowboy, um, the bull rider. And um, I was probably putting the focus point right about the hand that was uh, holding on to the bull. I figured that was a good spot. There's one uh, one
0: spot that won't move. Yeah. Yeah. You know, compositionally, I I don't know how you did it. His head is in a clean spot. Yep. His shoulders are above the line. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, there is one little trick I did do on this thing, which took me back to my old uh, um, darkroom days is that when I was editing this image behind him, there was, uh, um, there was a little light. So I went in with the uh, dodge and burn tools in Photoshop and I just burned in the area behind him a little bit. That was uh, you could see a, um, a caution tape where the seats were blocked off and it was a little distracting. Um, so instead of editing it out, I just, uh, I went back to the days of uh, dark. Well, and that and brings just, up an interesting question
0: that I, I see debated in a lot of areas. And that is you're, you're a house venue shooter, right? Right. So when you're shooting for a house venue, um, it no longer technically is photojournalism, right? No, not at it's all. It's marketing material. So yeah. do they allow you to, to edit these pictures?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a very different thing for when I'm shooting for the AP or I'm shooting for a wire service. Um, than when I'm shooting for the house, if I'm shooting for the AP or a wire service, I have a very strict guidelines and probably never goes into Photoshop ever. Um, I'll just use Lightroom or, you know, to crop something that's about it. Uh, when I'm shooting for the house, my goal is to make it look good in the venue. Now I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut and paste, you know, a crowd from one side of the room and double them and put them in another side of the room or something, you know, where it's completely wasn't real. But I have no problem uh, darkening out certain areas of the venue that were just a little overexposed when I shot them. Um, nothing you, you wouldn't You do. could
0: push a pixel if you if, if you wanted to clone oh, something. If, yeah, if I wanted to clone them, something they, out. They, they don't they, mind. You can because no. it's marketing at that right. point.
1: Yeah, it's and, and if, if it's going out somewhere else, it's going to get cropped differently. It can, will overlay text. I mean, all, all different things happen to an image when it's, you know, done for the house. Um, uh, I try not to – I don't shoot with that in mind. I don't think, oh, I'm going to get rid of this or I'm going to get rid of that. But uh, honestly, there are certain times um, where I've taken a photograph and in the back of my head, I've been like, that background has got to be changed or it's got to be um, – Usually just means uh, burning it in. Um, and for well, and for, even
0: photojournalism, like when you're when you're shooting for AP, right? Um, what are you allowed to do? Crop, color correct, dodge, and burn?
1: Yeah, I don't even do dodge and burn for AP. Um, if I'm doing anything for AP, it's it's cropping, color correcting, and maybe some contrast adjustment. You know, it's the 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 stuff you'd do in a dark room, even before you get to the uh, enlargement. It's going like, allow you to dodge and burn. I don't even I don't know. Um, it's never been. The stuff that I shot for the AP, the, the reality is that it would take too long for me to sit there and edit each individual image under the end of the timeline. Right, right, When I shoot for them, um, and a lot of times when I'm when I shoot for a wire service or AP, it's it's events like Comic Con and stuff like that in San Diego, and I shoot JPEG in the camera and I hand the cards off and I never see them again. I, I need to I, shoot Comic Con once.
0: I really do. <laughs> we'll talk. Um, yeah, I'm I'm t- I hear. It's amazing. So on this shot, we, we already mentioned that it's Valley View Casino mm. Center in San Diego. Um, but I'm curious on this shot, what you used, you know, AF-wise, was it a single point? Was it a zone? Yeah. Nope. You know, what tracking system did you have?
1: And more importantly, what kind of burst did you fire? Uh, I shoot continuous, high-speed continuous on all my... my uh my photos just about all the time, I'm, you know, for the live stuff. And I'll usually shoot in bursts when I'm doing concert stuff. I'll usually shoot in bursts of three to five, especially under the new um, LED lighting. It just, the lighting changes so rapidly that I find a a little three shot burst really does well. For this, um, I was using the new uh, 750, as I said, it has a, uh, it didn't have as big a buffer and my memory cards were kind of slow. so I was using, probably shooting in bursts of uh, five to seven shots, and um, I had learned that if I waited, I know it's going to sound like a small, small amount of time, but I waited about half a second after the bull started coming out, I could hold the button down and get a nice seven, eight um, sequence, uh, and that was about all. Then the, then the cowboy was flying, and the, and the bull was usually standing on top of him. Uh, and I have some of those shots too, but we decided not to uh, show too many of those publicly it was a little disturbing. Oh yeah. Uh, uh what I used, what single- kind of tracking did you use? Well, I used single point autofocus. Um, and I usually, um, had the point, I would start with a point, uh, like one third into the frame and then I would just move the camera. So I'm basically keeping that single point, um, right on the cowboy and, um, do you switch that single point or you leave it dead I, center or i I don't leave it dead center. I usually leave it uh, off to one third of, of the frame, either you know left right um, up or down somewhere where it's not dead center i don't right. like you know i'm trying to uh, but with this um it's half half practice shooting and half pure luck and you know a little bit touch of of you know thank God for cowboys who can get their hands in the air at the same time that the bull is completely off the ground. Um, yeah, it's amazing, so,
0: isn't it? I mean, these, yeah. guys,
1: these guys are way more
0: man than I am.
1: So I don't, I don't let the camera track stuff. Um, I, was using, uh, I was using either a single point. Uh, now the Nikon D750 has a little thing called a group uh, autofocus where it uses five points, but they all have the same um, – priority is a single point so it's just like having one bigger point moving around and i used that for a lot of the uh the stuff that i was shooting that night because a it was new and b i wanted to try it uh for this one i was still on single point um because it it was towards the end of the day and i still hadn't gotten this like i hadn't gotten the the money shot yet i hadn't gotten a great um you know uh rodeo shot uh, you did
0: with this one. Look at the right. dust so, under this guy. Oh,
1: that—that that was the thing that was that was that was killing me on on a lot of the other shots. Was that I would my focus was off by just a little bit, or the um, you know, for people who are watching this. I am mean, assuming you're photographers, but if you're not, uh, the depth of field is shallow. But if you have something that's on the same plane, so if I'm, I'll hold my hand up, and um, if your focus is on you know this part of the image and it's and it's flat then this is in focus too. And that's, that was the really lucky part about the shot was that not only was the angle of the bull coming out of the chute perfect, the hand was up, was perfect. The whole animal and the cowboy was all in the same plane of focus. So once the focus was locked onto the cowboy, everything was sharp, including the dust on the ground right below the, the hooves. So it was, a, it was a really great combination. And part of that was that I kept moving around until I figured out the angles of the bulls coming out. You won't see any of the photos from the first 15 or 20 minutes I shot that day because I thought I was going to be really cool and I'd shoot everything coming straight at me. Turned out that a lot of that was out of focus. Right. The cowboy was in focus, but the front of the bull or the back of the bull was out of focus and it didn't look right. Um, it didn't look real. It but see, that's, kind of why,
0: that's why you are who you are is because you have the wherewithal on a paid gig where people are under stress where you've got people on for three to four seconds to think, I need to figure out a way to get everything in this bull and this, this no. rider on the same plane to maximize my depth of field, um, which is where a lot of people, I think, fall apart on live events. They shoot what they see in their head as a picture, But their angle is wrong, their timing is wrong, whatever. And the fact that the dust and everything is in focus is amazing. So I I have a question for you. And this relates to kind of everything that you shoot. But I'm going to put the picture back up for it as well because it fits this one. And this picture, when I first saw this on your website, I kid you not, it brought me back to one of your Roger Waters pictures. Oh, yeah. I don't know, you mentioned you dodged and burned a little bit at the top. What else did you do to this image in post? And I ask it for this reason. You get a 3D effect in your color images like nobody I've ever seen. The Roger Waters one, if you're watching this, you gotta go find it. It's Roger Waters on a stage with his arms out. The leather jacket looks three-dimensional and real leather, it's amazing. And in this one, I literally feel like I'm standing in the middle of this arena and that bolt could hit me. What
1: are you doing? Well, God, I wish I could take all the credit for that. I really, really do. Most of the time, um, it's realizing where the light is coming from and then using that to, uh, create, um, depth in the image. Uh, Roger Waters is a, is a pretty good example. Um, he had this really shiny black leather jacket and, uh, I realized that when he was turning, the jacket was being highlighted on the side. So, yeah, it it makes it kind of pop out and gives it a little bit of side lighting without it being really obvious. On this, um, the dodging and burning helped in the background to, you know, remove it from the background but um, the reality is the light was coming from above. So, my goal was to just make sure that the angle that I was coming in... um, he was brighter than the surrounding areas the focus the focus helped um it's it's practice it's it's a lot of times when you start out you try you all you see is the subject you don't look at the background you don't look at where the light's coming from all you see is the guy on the bull or the you know the person with the guitar after a while um the subject's important but your brain can start kind of looking at all the surrounding areas and looking at the stuff that actually makes the whole image work and um on the downside of that is it's become really frustrating now when I'm editing something and it's not perfect. I have a very hard time, um, with images that aren't, Oh man, that was so close, but it's, I don't like the light on something or I can see too much of the background or, you know, the shadow is in the wrong spot. And I try to do that while I'm shooting. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's more difficult. Um, and, with all of this stuff, there's this little piece that's just called good luck. There's just a little piece of like, wow, I, I just, I got lucky. Um, and, you get lucky
0: and, a lot, my friend.
1: Well, I get lucky a lot, be, um, partly because I'm I'm looking for it. Uh, so I've, I, it's, you have to be able to recognize when something's going right or when you're getting close to to a shot that you really, you know, that you really want to take. Um I shot the Flaming Lips the other night for the first time. Uh, they were on on you know I I don't really have a bucket list as such, but they were one of those bands where i would seen a lot of really cool pictures of them, and I'm like, ooh, I'd like to take a really cool picture of that band. And there was a lot of confetti and a lot of lighting right up front, and I had, in my head, I could see the I could like see the picture before it ever happened that I wanted a shot of of Wayne, the lead singer small and I wanted all this confetti and, you know in the picture to be more just him and I came pretty close I wasn't 100% thrilled with, with but for what it is it, was, it came pretty close but to do that I needed to make sure that I was off to the side I needed to make sure that I had a wider angle lens on I needed to make sure that I was watching with other photographers and security or I needed to make sure I was watching all this other stuff because in my head I was like I can't get that shot from a f- from in front of him, I have to be over here. I can't get that shot with a zoom lens or a 70 to 200 millimeter. I need something wider. I need my 24 or even a fisheye or something to get that, that view. So, in my head, I'm pre-planning and giving myself a better chance of getting lucky, I should say. I, I, so, I've cut down the odds of it being pure luck to being planned for it and getting... You know in getting lucky: Well, um, you,
0: you you take pre-visu- pre-visualization to the next right. level, really because it's one thing and a lot of people you know uh, you know suggest that you pre-visualize a shot that you see it in your head ahead of time, hmm. and that's all fine and dandy if you also do what you're doing, which is pre-visualize what's needed to get it yeah. um, if you were if you were to give one tip. <laughs> because this is kind of your area, this low light action photography. If you were to give one tip to people that are having trouble in the low light action photography arena, right, uh, what what would it be?
1: Uh, um, probably the, the, the <laughs> I I can't follow the rules that well, so I'm going to give two, because the first one is just calm down. Everyone gets a little bit tense and excited, and, and tense and exciting is great. I get very excited when I'm about to shoot a show, but um, you need to, just relax and calm down. It's not, it's it's just photography. It's not brain surgery or, you know, changing the world. But uh, I've seen people, um, they get worked up, they get very excited, they get very tense, and then everything falls apart and you can never recover. And because you only have a few minutes to shoot um, a show or to get the shot, uh, the more tense and excited you are, the harder it is to to get back in the groove and to get comfortable doing it. So. Um, the first thing is just remember it's only photography. It's not, it's not that important. As, right. You know, it's, it's not rocket surgery. It's not Yeah. You know, you're not, you know, you're not rooting around in someone's head, you know, trying to fix their brain or something. It's just, um, making pictures. Uh, and the second thing is, I, I uh, and this one's a really practical one. Um, if you're shooting a concert, uh, start at ISO 1600, 250 to the second at F 2.8 and when it starts going on, I mean, I, those are just my starting settings because it turns out I've taken a lot of pictures. I've looked at the excess data for them. Uh, that's a big spike right at those settings. So if you start there every time and then it's too dark, you can adjust. It's too light, you can adjust. It, it's a really good place to start. So I always like to give per- people like a starting spot. Here you go, you don't have to start at zero. You can start, you know, 100 feet down the track and then you can adjust when the lights when the lights change um,
0: and and those are my settings whenever i walk into a venue i've never been into before and i don't right. know what the the tour is like or the rodeo is like and i, I don't know what the lighting is going to be like that's my starting point point. and for me i always shoot wide open so i'm at 2.8 no matter what it makes my exposure triangle so easy is it all i have to do is look at the subject and go it's a freaking bull I need a thousandth of a second. I'm not going to change my aperture. That only leaves one variable left, and it's the ISO. And what I tell everybody nowadays, my my biggest low-light tip is just always, just crank the ISO. Your camera nowadays,
1: this is 6,400 ISO. Yeah, it's amazing. And the the newer cameras are are actually doing even less noise at at the high. You know, this is now a couple years old. This is uh, 2000. What was that 2014 i think so three years two it it was november of 2014 so two and a half years old technology nowadays it's you can probably it'll probably even have less noise i mean uh, uh honestly i'm still using the d4 and the d750 so i'm not like i haven't found them to be you know too noisy yet <laughs> i don't know if i'll ever find the day where they're too noisy um for the, for the camera geeks in the audience, I started with a Nikon D2X trying to shoot concerts. And that thing had flying saucers-shaped noise at, you know, like ISO 400. And right. You know, giant pieces of things floating through the screen. And you're like, eh. Um, you've, have you had Rick Salmon on? I, I, I did I, do an episode okay.
0: with Rick Salmon, uh, who is also a friend of yours. Yeah. Um, I did an episode with Rick with uh, one of his, uh, it's the Blue Swallow Motel on Route 66.
1: So um, Rick always said a comment about ISO that I that I've taken to heart. Um, Rick said, "If people are noticing the noise in your image and your image is boring, yeah, <laughs> I was I was like, he's like, it's if they're not, if, you know, I'm like, wow, that's that's really true." It's- and
0: I use that quote when I do presentations mm-hmm. because uh, Rick originally mentioned it to me, and I did a blog post for Rick on you know, ignore the noise, just mm-hmm. stop worrying about the freaking noise. The most iconic pictures of our day. You go back and look at the Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny oh, yeah. Liston. and whatever. The most iconic pictures of our day are nothing but noise. Yeah. And you don't even notice it. It's there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always somebody that's going to go, well, that's film noise. It's different than digital noise. You know what? It's noise. And you didn't notice it because the image was that good.
1: So, you know, yeah, that's his,
0: a- his saying is 100% right. If you notice the noise, there's probably something else wrong with your right. image.
1: And the thing is that the only people who actually ever look at noise are other photographers. So not really my target audience and uh, not that I don't love other photographers. I work with them all the time. I teach, I write, I, I, my, my target audience is other photographers. But in the reality is that it's people who look at the images. Um, they're not going to notice the noise. They don't even know what noise is. They don't care. That's like they photographers
0: like, are the only people on earth that look at an image at 100%. Yes. Uh, A standard viewing distance maybe is equal to about 50% in Lightroom or or Photoshop. Um, But everybody zooms into 100% and freaks out. And I'm like, back up, zoom out to 50%, look at it at a realistic viewing distance. Realize that you're exporting an image at 900 pixels, you know, or whatever for the web. You're throwing away, literally,
1: 80%
0: of your pixels to put it on the web. Most people are never going to see it.
1: And to put it in the, to, to reverse that, um... At the Valley View Casino Center, I have uh, what I like to call the largest gallery showing um, of my career oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. we have uh, 16 images that line the walls on the inside of the venue. So it's an old concourse type basketball arena. And when you walk up the, you know, the, the circle, uh, they're printed uh, 22 feet long by 11 and a half feet tall at 100 DPI uh, on vinyl. And they look fantastic. And some of them are a half frame from a old D3. So, it's about seven megapixels of data going up on a wall, 22 feet long. And no one ever walks around the building and goes, wow, that looks noisy or there's blur there. (laughs) They just walk up the picture. They stand in front of it. Their friends take pictures of them in front of it. And, you know, everyone's happy about it and it looks great. And and you can see the hairs on Taylor Swift's arm and you can read the tattoo and you can see the, the glow on Roger Waters' jacket. You know, we... And um, everyone's like, well, you know, what did you do in Photoshop to make those? And I'm like, I open up a file that was the right size. I just dragged the corners out. I put the image in. They printed it. They came and hung it. It looks fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's it's not. So there's a lot of stress that people. Involve, oh, I don't want to go to ISO 1600 or 3200 or 6400 or uh, 10,800 or 26. I mean, I've, I've shot. In bars at twenty six thousand eight hundred. Yeah, it needs a little bit more post production work to get the colors looking right, but picture looks good. You know, twenty six thousand ISO. Um,
0: well, I'll so tell you, this
1: image yeah.
0: this this is just a star.
1: Well, thank you. And it uh, it it was it was one. It, and I will say that the minute I saw this one like through the viewfinder, like the sequence, I didn't actually obviously see this moment because the mirror was in my way. But as I saw this one go through, I realized this was going to probably be the best shot of the, of the day. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I've seen people who I've seen lots of, of, you know, rodeo type photos before. Huh. This is one of the best rodeo photos I've huh. ever seen in my life. Brilliant job, Alan. I really, th- I, I can't say thank you enough for having you on. Cause like I say, huh. I know you now, but you've been an inspiration right. to me for many, many years. If people want to find you more, what's your website? It's uh,
1: alanhessphotography.com.
0: Okay. And Pretty then simple. you're all over social media your Shot Live photo on Twitter, your Alan Hess on Instagram, your Alan Hess photography on Facebook. And right. of course, you've also got all your books are available on Amazon. So yes. if you want to find more about Alan Hess, Go to his website, alanhessphotography.com. He's got links to everything there, but also I'll have links in the show post uh, for this show. That does it for this episode of Behind the Shot, where we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. I'm your host, Steve Brazel. We will talk to you next time.